So hello everyone and welcome back to the book fever. In today's episode, I have a very special guest with me, the author of books uh, such as Her Name in the Sky and She Drives Me Crazy, uh, Kelly Quinlan. Could you please introduce introduce yourself to everyone here, everyone listening? Yes, uh, thank you, Dia, for having me. I am Kelly. I'm the the author, like Dia said, of Her Name in the Sky, and She Drives Me Crazy, and Late to the Party. And I'm excited to be here today, tonight for me, today for you, Dia. Yeah, I'm in the future. <laughs> I'm on night. It's 9 September here. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. So I tweeted out that you're coming here, and a lot of people answered with a bunch of questions. Wow, that's weird. But um, I so those are just the general ones which are not related to the book. I thought we would go through them first and then get to the questions about the book. Uh, okay, is that fine? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a lot of questions are related to writing because I think a lot of people who like follow me on Twitter are writers. So uh, like the first question was, do you ever experience writer's block? And if you do, how do you get out of it? Oh, all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... Sometimes you experience writer's block just because something you're trying to do isn't working. And so I, I try to step back and ask myself, you know, where did I lose the heart of this story or where did I lose the thread of this story? Um, but a lot of times doing something physical will help uh, break through that writer's block. So going on a walk, um, taking a shower, even doing the dishes can be helpful so it's just something that comes with the territory and you have to figure out your, you know, your little bag of tricks for how to deal with it. Yeah, of course. Um, I like tried writing some fan fiction myself during quarantine because I thought I loved reading so much that I might be okay at writing, but it's just so hard. Like after a point, you just don't know what to write and it's just, you can just get stuck and it's just so hard, hard to get out of that rut. Like, but yeah, the things you mentioned definitely helped me. And but I still don't think my fan fiction is any good, really. I don't know why people are reading it, but it's just there. <laughs> oh. I love fan fiction. Fan fiction is so essential, I think, yeah. to forming young writers. And it's a great way to play because, you know, when it comes down to it, writing should, it, it's hard work, but it should also be fun. Mm-hmm. And I think fan fiction is a good way to really lean into the fun part of that. Yeah, so I know that you were in the Glee fandom and I actually watched Glee uh-huh. for the first time during the pandemic. So it was just a very weird experience. I finished the entire show in two months because I was on my summer holidays and this was in 2020. So we were in complete lockdown. I had literally nothing else to do. So I fell hard into the Glee fandom. But <laughs> I, I didn't like, and um, I know that you wrote Batana fanfics. So mm-hmm. how was that for you? I loved it. I mean, writing about Brittany and Santana was what got me started on this whole career um, because I had always loved writing. And then I came out uh, in 20, well, I came out to myself sometime around 2010. And then I started watching Glee in late 2010, early 2011. And so when I started writing about Brittany and Santana, it was a chance to kind of marry these two things that I loved and was passionate about, which was, you know, um, writing and then also uh, being a queer person. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and so being able to write sapphic stories really just opened up that box for me. And it was like, oh, I enjoy doing this and I can be good at it. So I don't think I would have, I don't know that there would be a Her Name in the Sky if I hadn't fallen in love with Brittany and Santana on Glee. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so the next question is, so I haven't read Her Name in the Sky yet, which is very sad actually, but I did start it yesterday, um, but <laughs> I, I finish it soon and I know that I'll cry. So I'm ready for that already. But a lot of people wanted to ask me if you think that uh, Baker, Hannah get married in the future. Yes, I, I do think they okay. they do. And it, it's possible that they take a break at some point, but they ultimately are high school sweethearts and they've been through a lot together. And mm-hmm. part of what they've been through has been, you know, toxic and, and they've experienced a lot of, um, you know, religious-based internalized homophobia that's really difficult to overcome. But ultimately they, they know each other like the backs of their hands and they love each other. And they do end up together. In my head, they do. I think that's enough. Like, you're the author. If you say they do, I think everyone is happy then. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. Yeah. And do you think that Scotty and Irene um, are NK? I don't know about that. I think Scotty Mm -hmm. and Irene find each other at the right time. And one of the questions that drove me, no pun intended, with their story was what happens when Hannah and Baker don't work out Um, because that's the place that Irene and Scotty both find themselves in, right? Like they fell in love with someone and then it didn't work out and now they're brokenhearted. And so the story is, what is it like to fall in love with, fall in love again and and take a chance again? Um, And I don't know that they will stay together forever, but I think the time that they do spend together is worthwhile time. And I don't, I don't foresee them ever having a bad breakup or a toxic mm-hmm. relationship. I think, or a toxic breakup, excuse me. I think if they were to ever break up, it would be a very um, amicable thing based in uh, like a mutual respect for each other and a realization that they're growing in different ways. Completely. Like, even I had some trouble, like, thinking of them outside of this book, because yeah. I just, like, it's just so, like, perfectly packed into one little, you know, uh, about 300 pages. So I think it's just difficult to think of them as, like, something beyond that. Um, right, exactly. Yeah. So the next question is actually about publishing. So I know that her name in the sky was traditionally was self-published and then um, mm-hmm. She Dies Me Crazy is traditionally published. So people wanted me to ask, wanted me to ask you if uh, how has your experience with traditional publishing been and is it different from self-publishing and what aspects are you liking about it or not liking about it? Yeah, it's very different. I mean, my favorite thing about traditional publishing is getting to work with other people who are really good at what they do and who make the book better. So um, my agent, my book editor, and then, you know, the, the professional cover artists, um, the, the, the grammar checkers, right? The people who do the line edits and make sure that, that my grammar is tight and make sure that there's consistent, consistency throughout the story. So it really takes a village and I love being able to feel like I'm part of a team and that there are other people um, who are also taking such thoughtful care 
of these characters and paying attention to all the little things that make up Scotty and Irene's world. And that's been a very gratifying experience for me. Uh, I, I like that better than self-publishing because self-publishing is, you know, as the term implies, you have to do it alone. Uh, and I, I like being able to rely on the mastery that other people have to really create a, a truly beautiful uh, final product. That, that seems nice. But like, I think a lot of, <laughs> like, um, so like some of my Twitter moves, like they have written their books, right? right? And they're trying to like give it off to a publisher. But like if people are not mm-hmm. accepting it, do you think that they should go for self-publishing or they should like try writing another draft or try changing the story? until they actually get accepted by a publisher? It depends on what your goals are. I think it's certainly worth it to research self-publishing. And for me, when I was doing this back in 2000, you know, I published Her Name in the Sky in January, February of 2014. So this was a while ago now. This was, you know, over seven and a half years ago. And for me, the biggest thing was I just wanted that story out there because it was in many ways, it was my coming out story to the larger world. And it, it was something that helped me process my coming out trauma. Uh, so it was important to me to just let that story breathe. And when I researched self-publishing, I got really excited about the possibility of self-publishing and the entrepreneurial spirit behind it and the different things that I could do as, um, as the author and the marketer. Uh, And then my goals changed after Her Name in the Sky. You know, then I wanted to pursue traditional publishing with Late to the Party and She Drives Me Crazy. So I can't answer that question uh, for everybody, but I do think self-publishing is worth researching. And a really good place to start is researching the the site Smashwords. Uh, And its founder, Mark Coker, has written some really great free eBooks about best practices for self-publishing and you know ultimately what this comes down to is you have to have a great story and that's not something that publishing you know whether it's self or traditional is going to change so if you're really serious about putting a book out there you should be friends with other writers you should be trading work with other writers you should be working on a story for you know multiple drafts uh for some people that's years for some people that's months but i i I personally do not believe in the whole, you know, bang out a novel in 20 days and then put it up for public consumption. Yeah. I, I, in, in my experience, um, you know, I think that you need to take a lot of uh, care and a lot of time in kind of nurturing your story and getting it where it needs to be. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So, okay. Um, if you didn't write contemporary books, which genre would you write, like write in? If I didn't write, you said, did you say YA books? Oh, contemporary. Contemporary. Oh, um, I don't know. Maybe historical fiction, if I had oh. the patience to research enough mm-hmm. for historical fiction, because I love reading it. Um, but I, I just don't think I'd have the patience to go back and and look up all the details of what it would be like in that era. And I think I would be too perfectionistic about it to the mm-hmm. point where I would like get in my own way because I wouldn't be able to focus on the story because I, I would be focusing on the, on the tedious little things about, yeah. you know, what kind of silverware they should be using. 
So uh, yeah, if I had it in my wherewithal to write historical fiction, I, I maybe I would do that. Yeah, no, but like, I hate history. So like, just even thinking about writing historical fiction gives me a migraine. It's just like, just <laughs> researching so much is just, I can't even think of doing it. But yeah, I mean, if you like history, then great. <laughs> just I do. I do. I love history. I just don't want to do a deep dive into yeah. it no, no, I, to tell a story. But some people really thrive on that. So I commend them. Yeah, me too. Like, I could never have been good for them. Just... Uh, yeah okay so out of all the books you've written uh which character do you think is the most like you Ooh, um they're all like me in different ways and they all come out of different parts of myself cody from late to the party has a lot of my anxious side and my kind of more thoughtful sensitive side um Scotty from She Drives Me Crazy has some of my self-sabotaging habits. Uh, overall, probably Hannah. I think Hannah's sense of humor and Hannah's way of approaching the world, ultimately, I, I think she's still the one that resonates most with me. I mean, I've read like 25% of the book till now, and I think I I can see already see Hannah in or you and Hannah. Really? Yeah. Oh, I I love that. I feel like someone just told me that my daughter looks like me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's true. So yeah. Um, I think that's all the questions, like which are the general questions. Now we can Mm -hmm. talk about She Drives Me Crazy. So um, first of all, the cover art is absolutely stunning. Like when I first saw the book, I just had to read it. I mean, I can't, like, I can't live without not reading that book like right now. So um, did you have any like role in like conceptualizing how it would look or anything? It was actually pretty hands-off for me. Um, oh. I, I had initially suggested they could even include the cars, mm-hmm. um, but ultimately like it was the, the cover artist, Steffi Walthall, she was just, she's so talented, so oh, incredible. And um, I was lucky, like, so she started following me on Instagram while she was working on the cover art. So I followed her back and we started DMing about, you know, little things. And she would ask a few questions here and there. And Steffi was very, very passionate about um, with portraying Irene and Danielle. She wanted, because they're both girls of color in the story. And then, and Steffi was very passionate about making them darker skinned. And she was like, what do you think about Irene being like a darker skinned Indian American, South Asian person. And I was like, I love it. And I talked to, you know, to some of my other friends um, to, who are um, Indian American or South Asian American. And like my friend Sana got like really giddy about that. She was like, I think that that's really awesome and we need more representation. Uh, so I, I really can't take any credit. Steffi brought all of that to life and you know, even down to Irene's eyebrow scar. So uh, I, I think it's great because I love the people behind them because you can kind of feel that the pressure, like a like a typical high school movie almost, yeah. you know, like it reminds me of a great high school rom-com movie poster. And uh, yeah, it's, it's so eye-catching and I'm super indebted to Steffi and to Aurora Parla Greco who did the cover design and just the whole the whole team at Macmillan who who really made this book look good in a physical sense. 
Definitely. Like, it's just so stunning. I, every time I look at it, I'm just like, I just feel happy, okay? It just gives me serotonin. I oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, if you have to convince someone to read this book in one sentence, what would you say? Mm. Um, I'd say it's the high school rom-com that you always wanted where people who are supposed to hate each other fall in love and they're lesbians. That's perfect. Like my answer is like completely similar to that. I actually stole it from a Goodreads review, which which I absolutely love. So like it said that um, it's it's a love letter to the queer community through the form of, a, of an 80s style rom-com. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's, that's so succinct. And it's, it is. I mean, I wanted it to be like, because I grew up on those movies, watching those, you know, like I was a 90s kid. And I grew up watching like a Cinderella story and yeah. she's the man. And, but also all the older ones from the eighties, like the John Hughes films and say anything, obviously, mm-hmm. and uh, can't buy me love. And it was like, damn, I love these movies and they're so fun and they can be so quirky, but they're always straight people. They're always like oh. a guy and a girl. Um, and so I was like, I want a lesbian version of that. So that's what I did because I couldn't have it when I was a teen. So I guess it was kind of like delayed wish fulfillment, if you will. Like I was doing it for younger Kelly, you know, back in 2005, who would have loved to have read this. Yeah, no, I am actually very grateful that you did because I think most of the media surrounding LGBTQ plus community is about like they're coming out or their trials and which is of course very important to know about but I think that there should be just some normal media like it's just like them living their lives and it's just normal stuff which happens all the time but the characters just happen to be gay you know and it's just really important for that Uh, like it's important for that to happen and uh, like me I think this was the first uh, queer book I read which did not talk about any trauma or anything like that. So mm-hmm. that was really that was really nice to read, you know. Like they can have like we I can have a normal life. Like I live in right. India and yeah, so like I live in India, it's like not the most accepting country. Like I haven't come out to a lot of people. But um just reading that kind of gave me hope for like Yeah. Oh I'm I love to hear that. Um that that's really awesome. And and you're right. I mean you you said it yourself like coming out stories are super important and we're always going to need them because it's an evergreen experience, right? There's always an LGBTQ person somewhere in some moment who's coming out. Um, But then we also do just need stories where, like you said, like, I don't, I don't get up every day and go out and do gay things in the world. I get up every day. I go to work. I feed my dog. I talk to my friends, like, you know what I mean? And then incidentally, I'm a queer person. So that's, that was also what I was trying to do with Scotty and Irene's story is it could have, it could have been a straight couple's story, yeah. um, but, you know, incidentally, they're both girls and that adds like some wonderful flavor and um, its own unique twist. And uh, it was really fun to not have to, it was kind of a relief to not have to deal with like coming out stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause, you know, I did that in Her Name in the Sky, like very... Mm-hmm very painfully um so yeah this one was this one had its own kind of drama but it wasn't related to sexuality yeah completely um yeah so yeah every time like I read a 
book like most of romance books are like fmf like heterosexual but i always like look at them and i look at the tropes in them and i always be like oh i wish this was in like a queer book i would have loved it so much mm. more and like this book was just full of those tropes we had like enemies lovers fake dating there was one bed close mm-hmm. close proximity i was just like oh my god this is everything i always wanted when i was reading other books and like now i actually have it so that was amazing yeah it was so fun to include all those tropes just like throw them all in a blender and and make a big smoothie out of it all <laughs> no that was, like that was great to read. like it was super fun so yeah um okay so my next question is i love the dynamic of Scott and Stanley like it was super fun especially the siblings because i don't have any siblings myself but i always loved loved reading about others so how did you like did you draw up in your own life for that or did it just did you just make it up Yeah, um I have two sisters actually. I have a brother as well, but in this story, you know, Scotty had the two sisters and so that dynamic of how three sisters get along and take care of each other and you know, Daphne is kind of the sweet one and Thora is kind of the the hard ass and the voice of reason. Um and that those qualities are present in both my sisters and so uh and and you know, speaking of the family, like the parents are great as well and they're not like my parents. I mean, my parents are goofy and quirky in their own way, but I would say that their family unit as a whole is similar to mine in that they enjoy being together. They have these really honest, authentic conversations and that you know, there's that scene where they all sit around um beneath the Christmas tree and Scotty kind of confesses finally everything that's been going on mm-hmm. and that's a moment that would happen in my own nuclear family. with my parents and my younger siblings and so it was it was really nice to be able to write that into Scotty's story because you know she was going through a lot and I'm I'm glad that she had a good support system and you know a lot of times we we read about um parents who are not accepting of their kids or who are villainized but it's just as important to give parents um representation of what it looks like to be a great mom or a great dad or a great caretaker of any kind um to a queer kid and so it was exciting to have that opportunity to do that with Mr and Mrs Zajac and you know even like kind of the the making fun of them for being like dorky awkward parents like when they are you know freaking out over getting the chance to meet Irene and they're calling her Scotty's amour and all of that <laughs> So it it was fun. It was it was a great I I always enjoyed writing the family scenes. Yeah, no that was amazing. I loved like reading about actually a supportive family. That was super fun. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like not all families are homophobic. Like it's good to read about the good ones too. Right. So, yeah. Um okay, so my next question so Irene is Indian. Uh, and it mm-hmm. like it actually meant so much to me to see like another Daisy Bear girl in a book because that's pretty mm-hmm. rare in my experience. Like I know that Adiva uh, Jagadhar writes Daisy Sapphic books. I love reading them, but this was the first time I read one which wasn't by her. So what was it like to write Irene's character? Like what kind of research did you do? Did you talk to some people about it? Or first of all, Adiva is awesome, and I'm glad you've read her books. Um, yeah. I got to read. Honey and Issues guide um before it came out I got to read an arc of it and that was such a fun experience. Uh mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, I did a lot of research. I I talked with 
multiple friends of mine um, whose families are from different parts of India and whose families are from different religious traditions. So like my friend Nithya uh, is from a Hindu background. My friend Sana is Muslim. Uh, my friend Annie Jacob, who is a professional actor, and she actually uh, just played a queer Daisy character in uh, the Netflix movie, yeah, She's yeah. All That. They came out, um, but Annie and I spent a lot of time together talking about Irene's character and um, Annie and I are good friends and all the stuff she said really resonated with me. And she was the one who, who helped teach me about Kerala and um, Kerala-like Christianity and, you know, Irene's um, family lineage and religious lineage. And, and so it was a lot of just doing research. And um, I also uh, paid a couple of my friends who were Indian or South Asian to be sensitivity readers. And it was funny because they would, you know, pick up on even little things like the scene where Scotty comes into Irene's house um, on Christmas Eve and they, they come in through the garage and then they walk to the family room. Mm -hmm. And when Annie Jacob read that scene, she said, they need to take their shoes off. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, right. Of course. Like I lived in East Asia when I was a kid, when I lived in Japan and that was always a thing. Like you always take your shoes off at the door but that's not really an American thing to do. Um, so just, you know, even just like from that perspective, it's, it's those little things that really make a character's world. And it's so important to think about that and to ask people um, to just ask as many questions as you can and work with people you trust who are going to tell you what you need to hear and what what's best for the character you know what i'm saying so i didn't I, I told my friends i'm like don't don't um don't be soft with me like tell me what needs to happen or you know what tell me what i'm doing wrong is what i said a lot like what can i do better what needs to be better like what did i get wrong about this uh and hopefully um hopefully she came across as authentic uh if she didn't, that's, that's on me. Um, but I think Irene is just such a force of nature. She's such a strong, wonderful personality. And to me, her voice really leaps off the page. Definitely. And I think her, yeah. And her comfortability in calling Scotty out on her microaggressions is I think another really awesome and, um, endearing quality about Irene. Like she's not afraid to call bullshit on people. Uh, and my friend's son is a lot like that. And, um, so that, and I find it's like a very inspiring quality in a person. So, yeah. I actually thought like that it was really, really great job. Like even with Irene's mom, like that's exactly how an Indian mother talks. Exactly. Like, <laughs> she pretends that she like, doesn't like, like you, or she doesn't like care about what you're doing or even not just that like she's very very, very strict but when you need your mom like she'll be there for you it's like that kind of a thing but yeah, yeah they, they, even parents are hard on their kids and I think that's like a universal fact but I think you put that really well like and also having like they see parents who are actually accepting of the kids you don't really see that mm -hmm. much in media like it's usually like them just be like no I'm sorry I can't have a new kid but it was mm -hmm. nice to see someone who's so accepting well, yeah, because it's the idea that any minority is not a monolith, right? And yeah. and I do think a lot of times, because uh, I'm a white person, and I think a lot of times queer white people get it in our heads that if parents are accepting, they're 
you know, like they're probably white, right? And so I love that scene where Irene says to Scotty, it's not just white kids who come out to their parents. Yeah, yeah. I Scotty, know. Scotty needed to hear that. And that's a misconception that I think that someone like Scotty would have. Um, but yeah, I mean, Irene's parents are their own people and, you know, they are first generation themselves. Um, I always had it in my head canon that they both moved to the United States as young persons. Mm -hmm. And so they grew up American, but they're first gen basically. So Irene is second gen. Um, and I know that they would have a very, like they'd have a, a composite way of looking at the world that hopefully comes through in, in the story. But any, any flaws in that, any mistakes in that are, are on me. And, um, but I, I did, I did try to do justice with Irene because she deserves that and her parents do too, do too. I absolutely love her. Just the way she talks, everything, how fierce she is, how confident she is, it's amazing. Um, but okay, so this book is set up in a Christmas town. I don't, do they actually exist? <laughs> Christmas, I Christmas that's a good question. I don't know. I was, I was talking to somebody recently Oh, I can't even remember who it was. And they were telling me that they had a friend who grew up on a Christmas tree farm, Wow, which is probably the closest I've heard, but, but I don't know about a whole Christmas town. I mean, I've seen, I've seen stores that do sell Christmas decorations 365 days a year. I have seen that a few times in my life. And that was always really fascinating to me. Like, what's it like to work in a place like that in the middle of August? Right. And so I guess mm -hmm. I took that idea and I kind of extrapolated it to a whole town because that was just funny to me. The idea of that was like really zany, really quirky, really campy. Um, and you can probably tell that I had a lot of fun with that in the book yeah. and with Honey Bell's character yeah. and her whole family. And, you know, even little things like down to the, the, uh, the coffee being named Sweet Noel's and, you know, Balthazar's antiques is like kind of an obscure reference to one of the three kings being named Balthazar. Like, just like, there's a lot of little Easter eggs like that. You know, I should probably call them Christmas eggs, but um, <laughs> it, that part really brought me a lot of joy. It was just so like, so dumb, but so fun. It was very fun. Even like Honeybird's character, I love characters like that, like who are like, not the most book smart like or like they seem a little out of the world they're very like emotionally smart you know yes so, mm -hmm. yeah I love that about her she's one of my favorite characters oh she's the best yeah um which brings me to my next question so um I love all the side characters the quote-unquote side characters of this book like Danielle I, I related to Danielle so much like um, mm -hmm. because I'm also a senior in high school and I can feel the pressure all the time yeah so I was yep. like yeah I was like okay yeah I can see you but um so like I am Honey Bell of course Gunther Kevin so how important do you think side characters are to a story and how much time do you spend well, on them I think that they're very important and I think that you should know a lot about them I mean in in this case the most important side characters other than Scotty's family would of course be Danielle and Honey Bell um, and I do know things about them. Like it was really important for me to figure out Danielle's family and what was driving her. Um, because one of the things that really drives me, I need to stop saying drives in this conversation. <laughs> it's like too on the nose, but one of the things that bugs me, um, in both movies and fiction is when the side characters 
are just there to be like accessories to the main yeah. character and it doesn't seem like they have their own lives and Danielle was kind of like that in the first several drafts because it took me a really long time to figure out what Danielle's uh, arc was. I didn't know what was motivating her and what was scaring her. And it wasn't until very late in the revision process that I finally figured out what was making her tick, what she was afraid of, how perfectionistic she was, all of that. And then, then it was like, I finally got her, you know, and now I feel like I understand Danielle and she's somebody whose essence is very clear to me. Um, and then Honeybell, I don't understand as well as I understand Danielle, but of course she's important too. And, and she's funny, but I didn't want her to be like a joke either. Yeah. You know, like I think a lot of the stuff she says is emotionally astute and there's a lot of truth in, in the things that she says. Um, and then the boys, uh, Gunther and Kevin, you know, I don't know as much about them either. And I wouldn't necessarily say that they have their own storylines, but of mm -hmm. course you can't give every side yeah. character a storyline. So the most important people to have that were Scotty, Irene, and Danielle. Um, and once I knew the three of them and like where they were going and what was driving them forward, that was, once I got those three things figured out, that's when the story really started to come together. Yeah, I could see that. Like, and I think you gave all of them pretty, like, so there's this like running joke everywhere that like me, like uh, me, I am watching a movie just to see a character who has like two minutes of screen time. And I think that happens a lot in, with books as well. Like there's these, there's yeah. these characters that you want to know so much about, but you just, mm -hmm. the, the author never does it. I think that's where fan fiction also comes in. But um, I think you did that pretty well. Like I, there were no unanswered questions I had about any of the characters. So. Well, thank you. I mean, hopefully I'll uh, get to read some fan fiction for this book at some point. Like I would love a good Honeybell fanfic mm -hmm. or like, you know, uh, like a fanfic where Danielle and Honeybell and Irene and Scotty get together on their Thanksgiving holiday from college. Just imagine no, what that would be like. That would be amazing. Someone yes. write it, please. <laughs> please. Somebody. I'll name my first child after you. <laughs> at this point, I think the name of my first child would be probably like 10 names long because I'm just like, I need <laughs> Or you could just name them Honey Bell, problem solved. Exactly. Everyone's, everyone's happy. So, okay. How many drafts did you make up for this book? And um, what were some of the edits you made during those drafts? Oh my God, there were so many drafts. Um, <laughs> I can't give you a specific number, but mm -hmm. just know that... I would say that it went through at least four or five major iterations. Wow. And then each of those iterations could have other drafts within it. Um, but Danielle's character was a huge revision. Uh, Irene's character stayed pretty consistent. Like she really leapt off the page for me right away. Like I could hear her voice right away. Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of revisions with Scotty and the tally plot and, and all of that. And then um, I don't want to spoil the ending, but figuring out what the ending was and who did the grand gesture and why and kind of how to, how to wrap that up. And um, it really wasn't until one of the later drafts that I figured out how to bring things together with the, the halftime show that happens at the big basketball game. Yeah. Um, yeah, that all kind of came in later. 
And a lot of that was my editor, Makisha, really pushing me to, to get that right. Amazing. Like, uh, I think, uh, yeah, Irene seemed like a pretty consistent character. I, I, all, like, I, when I was reading it, I knew that you were so sure about her that I could just tell, but yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so, um, okay, if you had to recommend a book to someone who loves you, dies me crazy, which book would you recommend? Ooh. Gosh, that's so hard because there's so many that I read and I have so many friends who, okay, well, if you really enjoy like the banter of She Drives Me Crazy and the, you know, the two people who are supposed to hate each other, but then have to work together, then you should definitely read Sweet and Bitter Magic by Adrian Tooley because that's, that's uh, queer witches who have to go on this like quest together and they hate each other and they're complete opposites and the banter is really good. Um, and Adrian and I always joked that, that we kind of were writing like parallel stories because her, one of her characters is also a redhead. And then one of her characters has like the quote unquote bitchier side, like Irene. Uh, so if you're looking for that kind of dynamic again, definitely go read Sweet and Bitter Magic. I, I have it on my TV. It just moved it like a lot higher. So okay, I think- good, as it should. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, so I think this is my last main question. Uh, so even though like this book is pretty lighthearted, it still deals with like Scotty's growth as a person after coming out of yeah. what some people think is a quote-unquote toxic relationship. So mm-hmm. how did you go about showcasing that? Like, did you draw from your own experience or like what was the writing process? Oh, I definitely drew from my own experience with that. I've definitely been through some toxic breakups, uh, some of them where my heart was broken, some of them where I did the heartbreaking. Um, but, you know, a toxic breakup is is just always so sad and, and it takes so much out of you. And, and it really is easy to lose yourself in a relationship and in a breakup. And I haven't seen that written about a whole lot in young adult stories. And I guess it's a story that needed to come out of me. So, uh, so that's what I did. And, but I also really, really believe the line that Scotty's mom says about how people break our hearts, but they create more room in them first. And that room lets us become more ourselves. That is truly something I think, um, and something I believe. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't want like anyone I've dated in the past to pick up this book and think that it's like an attack on them because it's not, because I've certainly made mistakes in previous relationships too. But I think the main thing I've learned is that you cannot lose yourself. You cannot change yourself for another person. And um, I mean, I think, I think the best line in the whole book is when Scotty says, before you can worry about who's in your passenger seat, you have to learn to drive yourself. And that's been a huge lesson for me and a huge point of growth, um, in my twenties, especially. And, uh, you know, because I think a lot of times queer people, we don't learn those lessons until later on because we have kind of like a delayed adolescence in some ways, if we come out later. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I would say about that. (laughs) That's really nice. Um, so to end us off, I'll just like ask you a few rapid fire questions and they're kind of hard, okay. but it's okay. So it's just, uh, who's your favorite character from this book? Irene. Yeah, me too. Uh, just, who is, uh, what's your favorite genre to read? 
contemporary. Yeah. What's YA your, contemporary. Yeah, yeah. So what's the best book you've ever read? Oh, God. Um, God, that's like asking me the best like breath yeah. of oxygen I've ever taken, right? <laughs> I know. I, so I, I can't answer that. I'm looking at my favorites shelf right now. And okay, I, you can pick three. I can pick <laughs> three? Yeah. Okay, gosh. Um, I don't know. You're you're really putting me on the spot here, kid. I know. I, um, I had to do it. <laughs> I know. You're asking the hard questions. How about, yeah. can I give you three books I've read somewhat recently that yeah, I've yeah, read? Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. I loved Watch Over Me, which is Nina LaCour's recent book that came out last fall. I loved that one. And it is a beautiful examination of trauma, big T and little t trauma. Um Let's see what else. The Last True Poets of the Sea by Julia Drake. That's a book I always recommend because it's underappreciated. I want to see more people talking about it and it's just beautiful. Uh, and then let's see, I'll, I'll give a plug to one I'm reading right now. Um, I'm currently reading an advanced copy of Sophie Gonzalez's book, The One That Got Away, yeah, which like comes out uh, either next year or the year after. And that's kind of like a reality TV show based one where these two girls who used to date the same douchebag guy, they end up on like a reality TV show with him trying to get revenge, but they start to develop feelings for each other. So it's almost like as if two contestants on The Bachelor fell for each other. It's really fun. Um, and really I really amazing. like that one. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. really good. So definitely put that on your, uh, your list to read for sure. Yeah. And are you currently working on any book? I am about to start working on a book. I took the summer off um, because I was a little burnt out from, yeah. you know, releasing two books during the pandemic. But mm -hmm. um, in the United States, we typically say that summer ends after Labor Day. Okay. And Labor Day was two days ago. <laughs> it was okay. this past Monday, as September 6th. So now that we're on this side of Labor Day, it's kind of officially feeling like autumn and it's time for me to get back to work. So hopefully I'll be coming up with a new book soon. I'm very excited to read it. So, um, <laughs> and um, so where can people find you on social media? And yeah, also where can they get your book from? You can plug any sites you love. Oh, sorry, repeat that last part. Uh, you can like mention any uh, sites you love, like where they can get your books from. Oh, okay, sure. Um, well, if you're not following LGBTQ Reads as a site, you should definitely follow that. Um, that's like your one-stop shop for literally like any queer book that's ever been written. And it's categorized by like genre, by trope. So if you really love like enemies to lovers, you could go on the site and find all of the sapphic enemies to lovers books. It's amazing. Um, so definitely follow LGBTQ Reads. And then um, you can find me uh, under my name. It's just Kelly Quinlan uh, on Instagram and on Twitter. And then uh, on Tumblr, I'm under the name Little Oases, like, like the word little and then O-A-S-E-S. -E um, and I put a lot of like extra stuff about my books on there. So like if you enjoyed Her Name in the Sky, you can go find extra little one shots that I wrote that take place after the story ends. There's like little fluffy things about Hannah and Baker in love. So 
um, yeah, that's that's where to find me. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast and sharing your amazing views. Um, I'm looking forward to your next book. And yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And do you have any parting thoughts? Sorry, for um, I would say I hope you keep doing this podcast. I think it's yeah. awesome. I think it's wonderful to see young people not just reading the literature that's intended for them, but also taking ownership in it and, you know, creating podcasts and creating Instagram um, pages and making video edits and all of this stuff. So keep it up. Thanks so much. You're welcome. <laughs>